Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 67, The Pleasure Principle. This week we're discussing season 4, episode 5 of Buffy, Fear Bad, and series 5, episode 5 of Doctor Who, Flesh and Stone. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, <laughs> Buffy this week. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, so, yeah. I want to start with this episode's reception and reputation. Um, because I hear through the grapevine uh, that this is the consensus, shall we say, worst episode. You know, uh, maybe not yeah. every, maybe not every individual's least favorite but but you know kind of like with those doctor who magazine polls there's sort of a, a received fan wisdom shall we say you know which isn't always uh you know like we might find fault with you know the way the popular mass feel about episodes but it gives you a pretty good idea of what you know the, the general mood of a episode was um so it sounds like when they've done these sort of unofficial fan polls, this is not one of the favorites. Yeah. Um, well, and when you like, so if you search like worst Buffy episodes and that sort of thing, there's some yeah. that we've already seen that are sure to come up like bad sure. eggs or, uh, you know, other ones like that. Um, yeah. This is consistently among, like if you get a, a, a random list of, you know, worst 10 or even like worst five episodes of Buffy. This is pretty almost guaranteed this to be the, the on, likeliest to make the list on right? the list. Right. Uh, it, yeah, right. it's kind of universally reviled. Um, <laughs> the, there was a, a Buzzfeed post a little while back that, you know, attempted to rank every Buffy episode. And again, it's just one person's opinion, but mm -hmm. uh, this was, at the top, which was the worst. So I guess kind yeah. of technically at the bottom of the list, you know, right. listed as, as actually the worst. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, movement might go back and forth by a few spots here and there, but it's typically, typically yeah. in that, in that grouping. Yeah. Um, and right. I think uh, you, even before we started talking, you sort of picked out that there's a good reason for that. I think that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there might actually be a couple. Um, <laughs> well, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, and as we go through, we may find, uh, you know, particular aspects which are worth defending. You know, I, I, my one sort of, I can certainly see why this is, you know, received that way. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree. Um, <laughs> my one kind of, defense for it would be that, um, you know, like we talked about kind of having not much to say about the episode of Angel last week. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess my one defense would be whatever the sins of beer bad, at least it's memorable. You know, it, sure. it might, it might fail spectacularly, but, but the failure implies that it tried, you know, right, it right. went for something and, and you certainly can't say that it didn't, <laughs> you know, boldly, you know, pursue 
something, whatever, yeah. however ill-conceived that might be. Um, so, you know, this certainly seems like one of the least successful, but I think if it has qualities which might put it slightly above other episodes for me, it's that there are times when I, I kind of enjoyed that it didn't always feel like it took its ridiculous premise entirely seriously, and I would maybe prefer that to some episodes which are kind of maybe a mm. little bit more kind of po-faced or like maybe try to take their sure. kind of ridiculous premise a little too seriously and kind of flop or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. uh, uh, so let me shed a little bit of light and, and we can talk about whether this may or may not have had, uh, any, yeah. any, uh, whatever um so certainly reception uh even critically not not just sort of fan reception critically there was some um you know poor reception there uh i don't actually have the name there was a bbc reviewer uh Mm. you know sort of talked about you know american puritanism and and you just saying like you know the the message is trite and obvious and you know, yeah. uh, doesn't really sort of live up to the usual sort of like feminist subtext or, you know, what, like more complex uh-huh. issues. Um, yeah. it, it was praised by Christianity today, uh, for, <laughs> for the quote, honest portrayal of consequences. Um, <laughs> so, you know, take that as you will. So, you know, I mean, you, you, you can see those sort of things. Uh, oh my gosh. so this actually in, in my extensive <clears throat> Wikipedia research, uh, uh-huh. the, I've discovered that this was actually uh, the plot was sort of written around uh, a program, a campaign, if you will, of the Office of National Drug Control Policy, uh, which basically at the time was helping to fund episodes of television that would talk about drug use and and alcohol and that sort of thing. Um, Okay. It. actually lost out on the funding um, because, uh, and this is a quote from, from an article uh, on the topic he said, at least one show Buffy the Vampire Slayer was rejected after it showed itself to be immune to the drug office's worldview uh, quote, drugs were an issue, but it wasn't on strategy. It was otherworldly nonsense, very abstract <laughs> and not like real life kids taking I drugs. That abstract is the word. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and they That's sort of funny. complain that viewers wouldn't make the link to what the you know official message was that they were trying to blah 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 blah. So and you know, long story short, right. they didn't even get the funding that they were trying right. to right. Uh, this, reach with this messaging. So is this a lesson of what happens when you go whoring for the paycheck? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't yeah. know. I mean, you know, it's hard to make those decisions at the time. I'm sure. You know, we're sure. Although you'd like to think, I mean, it's the fourth season of, at this point, a relatively successful show for its size and its audience and its, you know, delivery on, yeah. on you know, a non-major network. So you yeah. can both understand why they would go after the money, but also you would like to think that maybe they could have not done that. Right. Uh, well, and, and it seems like something so within their wheelhouse, because they were really good at coming up with these metaphors for real teen issues. That seems like something, you know, Joss could do kind of in his sleep, you know? So 
it 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 does make you wonder if because that's something they could do so smoothly you know mm. it does make you wonder if that's the difference that rather than writing you know something more organically that that maybe the effort to to go you know for the funding got in the way of the integrity of the story a little bit or something because i think what i want to talk now about like the metaphor if there is one because i think that's one of the main issues is it's very confused i think yeah. um i'm hesitant to even kind of call it a metaphor i really my impulse is really to call it more of a moral because i feel like yeah. that's what the title is telling you right is beer bad you could put like an equal sign in the middle you know right. beer is bad you know beer equals bad um well and so it, part of it is and that's, sorry that's i was the, just thinking at the end there too when xander yeah. even says like explicitly like not just to buffy but like to the audience and did we learn anything this week well and so this is this is my this is my problem because it, i actually i have to say i like of all the things in the episode i kind of like that at the end Xander says, and what did we learn, boys and girls? And Buffy says, foamy. Right. Like, I which to me says, nobody learned anything. Right, you know? right, right, right. Like, there's no, there is no real lesson here. Um, that's which is why they didn't of, get money for it. Which is why they didn't get money for it. And, but then, of course, you have Christianity today praising its, its clear morality and everything. Like, oh I know, gosh. I know. It's, it's just so, it seems very conflicted about whether or not it believes what it's saying, I guess. Sure, sure. Um, and, and I guess the other problem, too, is that there's two different uh, stories here. There's one which is about, you know, the effects of beer, you know, of, like, turning otherwise, I mean, we can talk about these kind of, snooty college kids that Buffy's drinking with, but turning reasonably educated, you know, people into these, like, you know, drunk, stupid cave people who have no idea what they're doing. So that's kind of, like, I guess the beer metaphor of, like, you know, the, the bartender says it makes all men equal and it, like, you know, makes them really sloppy and really dangerous and all these things. Yeah. Um, Like, but then... That seems to be, they seem to be wanting to make a connection between that and, like, this id-ego-superego divide, you know, where, like, really the caveman idea is just about our primal human instincts that go back to the dawn of time, and it doesn't seem like you really, kind of what Professor, Professor Walsh says is, like, it's not like it needs beer as a trigger, like, it just is always there, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, 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 and you can't, like you're only in control so much as your superego can, you know, make a better decision, you know? Sure. Um, so it kind of feels like it's all over the place and it doesn't really know what it wants to be doing. Um, yeah. And maybe that's the problem is like, they're kind of wanting to do a drug metaphor, but they're also kind of doing a story about, you know, teenagers, you know, like giving primal way to instincts, their sort of yeah. their unbridled, you know, hedonistic yeah. desires. <laughs> and then on the one hand, they want to have 
a clear-cut moral, which is, you know, kind of can be sealed and approved by, like, you know, the American Drug Association. But then they also clearly don't really believe in that, like, beer equals bad moral, because they completely undercut it at the end, you know, by Buffy saying, we didn't really learn anything, that this is, Mm -hmm. you know, really circumstantial, and it's not, certainly I don't think any of the characters are walking away from this, you know, res- you know, resolve to never... Yeah. I don't think the moral of the story is that, like, beer is evil. Like, I don't right. believe that Joss or anyone on his staff believe that. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I and, think it's, and especially, it's, like, the more you look yeah. into it, like, you know, it was the bartender spiking the beer that Right, it's not even the beer. Like, it's not yeah. the beer itself. So there's, right. yeah, like, there's several sort of layers there where yeah. none of them actually work. <laughs> No, no. Uh, And I think they all just sort of like distract each other, you know, so you can't really make a coherent metaphor out of any of it, really. Um, And before we get like too far into sort of the moral, because I think we want to talk through some of the different characters and stuff. I did just want to point out that we are actually working with a new writer here, uh, Tracy Forbes. This is her first episode. And I kind of like on the one hand, it's worth asking, you know, is it bad because she's a new writer or did they sort of maybe like sabotage her a little bit by throwing her this one where it's like, did she get yeah, the, the bad assignment? Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're doing this one that we got to tie into like some drug right. stuff. Just do whatever, you know? I yeah. Don't. Yeah. We, yeah. I, I, and I don't, I mean, that's, I don't really honestly know much of her work. She, she goes on to write a couple other uh, Buffy episodes and then, and sort of disappears. Doesn't, ever work on any other like we didn't projects at all so um from from my understanding and and really isn't you know a big big name in, in yeah. script writing anyway i don't know maybe she's more of a production type person or whatever but um right. yeah so like there's there's you know some questions there like you know possibly she just didn't yeah. uh really know kind of what buffy was yet although her next one that she writes is actually pretty funny and is kind of up there so you know, yeah. it, it, it's just hard to say from that perspective, but I just want to kind of sort of point that out. Yeah, that... it's probably like a, a a flawed premise that got paired with one of the weaker writers, you know? Like, maybe if she had a really good premise, she could fly with a script, but like, you know, especially if it was her first episode writing for Buffy, you kind of mm-hmm. got, feel bad that she got saddled with the the story that had to sort of sell itself in this way, you know? Yeah. Um, Which I feel like none of the other episodes have really had to do, you know? Um, sure. I mean, this one literally tried to sell its premise. Right. Um, right. So. Right. So yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to sort of bring that up before we got into more of the, the character. Or I situation. have one more question. You sure. mentioned to me that this episode was nominated for an Emmy. No. Wanted, yes. And, and, Ironically <laughs> enough. Uh, as, Is this as, our first Emmy nomination? Or no, we've it, had one or two. No, others. it's not the first nomination. No. Um but um yeah, you're you're right. Uh and I I wanted you to guess as to what you thought it would be. And and I'll give you a hint that you were actually on the right track when Okay. Uh you, I I think this was off uh, this was after our podcast of course because we weren't talking about this episode last week. So, you had said something along the lines of that you thought it was cuz you knew it was not a fan favorite, but you thought maybe there was some technical Mm. uh award that it would would have been yeah i mean if it's not a fan favorite then i'm i'm feeling like 
and definitely after seeing it, like, I don't think it's the writing or the acting or, you know, I, so I'm, I'm going with makeup because of the cave guys. Good. Uh, that, that's my guess. Good. Uh, good guess. It's wrong, but it, it, but you're in the right direction. Of course, it was actually nominated for outstanding hairstyling. Uh, particularly for Buffy's hair, so Buffy's kind of half dread. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Her her for those who watch Orphan Black, it's her Helena look. Right, uh, right. <laughs> you know what? That's so funny. I was thinking of Helena when she was climbing up all over the jukebox. I thought this is yeah. like Helena ten years early. <laughs> well, and at the end when Willow's sort of sitting on the bench and Buffy is like perched, like in a yeah, and like playing with her hair yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it gave yeah. me a distinct feel. Of that, yeah. so look at um, that, Sarah Michelle Gellar beating Tatiana Maslany at her own game. There you go. Early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so that's uh, the, the hairstyling. Uh, so you were close, very close. Well, okay. If if this were a game show, I would give you the points for that one. Oh, okay, good. But it's not, and you award no points. Um, okay, let's move on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well. I feel like we're just trying to find other stuff to talk about than the actual episode. <laughs> well, no, because we do actually have, uh, sadly, when these when these episodes go off the rails, sometimes talking about why they ran off the rails is more interesting than what's actually in the episode. Right. Um, but I think whether we like it or not, I think there is some stuff in here that needs to be sort of sure. gone over. Um, so, you know, again... It, it is not subtle about the way that it presents its moral. So I want to kind of mention Professor Walsh's mm-hmm. lecture at the beginning, because it's another instance of her, you know, she's kind of popping up occasionally. Um, and we've got stuff like this before where, like, you know, a class that they've taken kind of gives you some peek into the theme of the week or whatever. Um, so, you know, Professor Walsh, talks about the things that we want, the simple things, comfort, sex, shelter, food. Mm-hmm. We want them, we always want them, and we want them all the time. It doesn't learn, it doesn't grow up. It has the ego telling it what it can't have, and the superego telling it what it should want, but the id works solely on the pleasure principle. What do you do, what do we do when we can't have what we want? Mm. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess more so than the beer stuff, that really kind of has more to do, you know, because they kind of intercut that with Buffy daydreaming about Parker, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And... Which is probably the funniest part of the episode. Like, when, yeah, yeah. Especially the second time when they go back and there's yeah, Parf- and Parker he, with his, his, like, shirt open and he's got yeah, flowers yeah. and ice cream. And... and ice cream and stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, So, you know, it's like this, you know, continuation of, her kind of still hung up on Parker. Although mm-hmm. you're getting more of a sense that maybe it's it's going away because the the twist seems to be um less about her regard for him as a person and more just like a visceral sensual thing. You know, mm-hmm. like Walsh is saying, you know, it's all well and good to know intellectually that you shouldn't want something. Yeah. But sometimes Yeah. You can't help but want it anyway. Um, So as much as I'm ready for the Parker, you know, element to go away. um, And I think by this point, everyone who is watching this season is ready ready for for the Parker (laughs) element to go away. Um, I think 
it maybe is a, a little step in the right direction to see kind of, rather than kind of pining over Parker as a person, Buffy's daydreams are more just about like, you know, the physical, you know, it's about, she just wants him to apologize for the satisfaction of it. And she kind of wants him with roses and ice cream and like, you know, mm. looking nice, you know, that it's more of a, a id desire than a intellectual ego desire, I guess. Mm. Um, so. Yeah. That's what, and, and I think, you know, just good to remember that Professor Walsh is there. You know, I assume, you know, we're going to get more for her at some point, so. Um, yeah, well, right, and we, we keep getting sort of hints. So I, yeah. I know we weren't going to, like, talk about Riley, too, but there's, like, the same, like, he's kind of coupled with, not coupled yeah. in a romantic way, obviously, but because he's right. the TA, you know, we sort of see yeah. him as well. But then we also see him in the bar later, and, and I know... Well, I don't know. Do you want to just... I know this wasn't exactly the order, but maybe we should just finish out Parker and so we don't have to come back to him later. Okay. <laughs> um, and just sort of talk through him and Riley since we're talking about Professor Walsh now as well. And and that yeah. does seem to go a little bit better with the Parker stuff. Um, yeah. So, well, go ahead. So, I mean, with Riley, I think... And we've been getting this for a little while now, but definitely I think more strongly this week you get Riley set up as, you know, the anti-Parker, I guess. Like, you know, um, and maybe that's stating it too strongly because we don't really know anything about him. But, like, you know, you get the fact that Buffy kind of bumps into... I mean, Buffy's bumping into everyone because she's focused totally on Parker, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you get him as kind of the the nice but ignored guy as opposed to the the mean but like center of attention guy um you know and you get him sort of uh you know specifically talking about like like he calls out the fact that parker is you know kind of uh not a good guy and you know he should have his attention span checked and um you know and kind of disapproving of Mm. the way he treats girls and he starts to talk about you know what his dad taught him and being gentlemanly and Buffy's not really paying attention so he just sort of drops it yeah yeah. um so you know I I'm a I'm a little wary I'm a little gun shy because I feel like he's saying all the right things but Parker said all the right things too so you know I'll be interested to get to know him a little bit more but that's the bit that it, it seems like, mm, is this a little too convenient? You know, like, he is the, the nice and slightly ignored guy, and he does talk about what it is to be gentlemanly, but Parker came off that way as well. Um, sure. And he seems to have honed that to a kind of science. So um, I don't, I'm not, I don't necessarily believe that Riley is just Parker 2.0, but I think maybe as much as we're invited to contrast them, maybe potentially there could be a parallel there as well. Um, and mm-hmm. we just don't know Riley well enough yet to know yeah. is he sincere when he is that way or, um, 
Sure. Or is or is this like Willow says? All men just think about sex, and all of them are just trying yeah. to say the right thing to get the girl to do what they want yeah. and all that. So um, yeah, no, I and I was something to keep kind of my eye on is what I'm thinking. Right I was now. thinking exactly of of the Willow stuff there too. You know, I'm I'm tired of men and their manness, right? Like it's this mm-hmm. idea that just being a man, which isn't necessarily a wrong idea, but that just being a man. <laughs> Uh, as Professor Walsh says, it's, 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 well, and she even broadens it even more. Everyone has the right. head there. So right. yeah, is sort of Riley's, you know, maybe kind of hokey old fashioned, you know, right. whatever, just, is that the way that he sort of has success with women, you know, and, well, may, and maybe it is, it is maybe it's close, not. It is very close to what Parker said, you know, like that's the kind of things that he said too, was hmm. like talking about his family and and how you know it sounds hokey that i'm just looking to share things with somebody you know like and you know and and maybe it turns out that riley is completely different but i think the things they're saying are very similar the question is sincerity you know and and so that i think remains to be seen uh with riley yeah it, it it does but yeah no i think i think you're right though we are sort of invited to look at him as a foil or as a contrast to Parker, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, now, as for Parker himself, and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he's still, you know, we see him flirting and talking with yeah. this other girl. Um, and then we get, you know, Willow, who's having some man issues of her own and sort of decides... Sure to uh confront parker um and and i think and maybe you know maybe it's complex or maybe it's just confused but like there's also a little bit of you know tension there like you're not quite sure is she confronting parker for buffy which i think you know is sort of what she says but but is there also an element to which she's sort of taking out her frustration you know of what appears to be be something going on between Oz and Veruca, which we can get into later. But, uh, so yeah, what's what, I guess what's your take on their whole conversation, uh, between Willow and and I feel like this would be my other main issue and maybe a bigger issue for me than the, than even the beer metaphor confusion. Um, because I feel like, um, I mean, there's definitely this fake out, right, where you're kind of led to believe that, you know, uh, you know, Willow's falling for his shtick, you know, that he starts to convince her, and you're supposed to be saying, you know, no, Willow, don't believe him, you know, all this stuff, and he's reaching, and then it turns out, oh, you know, she was on to him the whole time, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and she was never really tempted. And, and that's fine. And I would have been really kind of disappointed if Willow had been taken in by that, honestly. like Sure, you sure, know, I yeah. think she's clearly been made to be smarter than that. I, um, I think you're right, though. The, the, the entire thing is, is meant to keep you guessing and keep you sort of on your toes. Like, she can't possibly believe what he's saying. Like, we know that right. this is BS and that he's using his wily tricks on her. You yeah. Know. Yeah, and I I get I get that. You know, I don't think it's kind of saying that Willow totally endorses his 
you know, line of thought by the end. Sure. But I still feel like the episode gives him a little too much credence to what he's saying. Um, hmm. You know, just even the fact that, you know, even in that tease of, like, yeah, Willow isn't stupid enough to actually fall and fall for this and sleep with him, but I don't know that the episode isn't saying that she isn't somewhat convinced by some of the things he's saying. Um, and, and, or even if she's not, I feel like there's something in it that seems like, I don't know. And I hesitate to say, like, the writer thinks this, because I don't know anything about Arthurial intent. But the only thing I can think to say is that it feels like the episode is even a little bit on his side. <laughs> and... Mm. I don't know why I feel that way, but it, it That's does interesting. bother me. Um, I, I, so my own take, uh, and this just is what it is, man, maybe this is difference between man and woman, <laughs> uh, you know, here too. But like, this is, there's, I think an element of what Parker says that is true. And, and I think that that's maybe part of the, the, struggle that you're having because it does seem like there's a long stretch there because he kind of gets a good little monologue in there i mean you know willow kind of does like okay go on but like there's not like she doesn't really add to the conversation it's more just him talking and i think i think there's a couple things there is is that one you know sort of the best lies are the truth you know kind of element of you know because he talks about some relationship center on a deep emotional tie or a loyal friendship or something but you know just most are just two people passing through life enriching or aggravating each other. And like, he goes on, you know, like, and and you can sort of hear him getting into that sort of not quite monotone, but like, you know, more of like a lilting, uh, uh, you know, uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? And, you know, anyway, where he's, where he's more like hypnotic and, and getting into that. And, you know, just for one night, can't two people who feel an attraction come together and create something wonderful. And, there is something in that, you know what I mean? But at the same time, as he's talking about the deep emotional tie and he's talking about the loyal friendships and all this, we know that that's not what he's into. That's not what he's trying to do. He's, he's just using words that he's telling to other people. So it's, it's that idea that there's truth in what he's saying, but not for him. It's like true for other people. And that's, and I guess that's where I feel like, it gives him too much credit because it allows him to kind of, I don't know. The impression I get is that even though we're not supposed to endorse the way, I I guess I'm uncomfortable with, with the episode kind of saying he even has a point there because I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. But I don't, I don't know that we're meant to think that he's having a point, but that he has figured out, like you said, he's worked it out to be almost a science. Like these are the words you say to get, you know, re- a reaction of, you know, X variety. Right. And, and it's not that he feels it. It's not that he believes it necessarily. It's just that he knows it works. Right. And, and I think that's the impression that I get that it's that, that, you know, especially when we get to the point where Willow's like, seriously, do you think I'm that gullible? Like, I understand what you're doing right now. And, and he, even then yeah. he, he tries to do the, you know, the aw shucks, what, you know, I, I wasn't, you right, know, doing right. anything wrong. And, and 
you know, she talks about this, this isn't, you know, this isn't right the way that you're, you know, uh, working here. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I would. Yeah, sort I, of... I guess I question then if, if everything that he says is empty and everything he says is a lie and it's all like a ruse, at what point can you call that truth anymore? You know, well, I, that's I think sort it's... of a bigger question than, than, you know, but so I think that's kind I of... I think there's different... So, okay, I think, and we might be using truths in different ways here, because I think you're talking about truth from, like, that he doesn't believe that stuff. But I'm saying mm-hmm. that there, there, there is truth in what he's saying insofar as people are looking for loyalty and friendship and, and deep emotional ties. And that's, those are the things that people actually look for. It's just that he's not using it. He's not saying those words to look for those things. He's using right. it for something else. So, so I think there's more like a more universal truth sort of behind those words that that's people in general, maybe not specific people all the time, but people in general look for those things. Right. He's but, not. But, so. his, but, but his point is against that. His point is some people are looking for those things, but I don't look for them because it takes the fire out of it. You know, right, and and I think that's the point that I'm uncomfortable with giving to him that that this notion that you know, uh, you know, to um, to have called what he did, which was deliberately dece- deceitful, sure, you know, um, being to somehow equate that with some sort of adult understanding between two people that something that they're doing is just for the moment, you know, mm-hmm. because clearly he misled Buffy deliberately, you know, so to kind of, you know, I think what kind of bugged me was when he kind of said, you know, you know, I, I'm not looking for the commitment because it takes the fire out of it. And Willow kind of says, maybe, um, you know, she gives him that point. And I don't know that I want to give him that point. I don't know that, you know, it seems to me like Willow and Oz have up to this point have had commitment and have had fire. Um, Buffy had that with Angel, too. Um, so yeah. I think yeah. that's, it's not so much. No, I, I think that's the, that's the bit that I'm, I feel like the episode kind of gives him a point that I don't feel like he should get. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. I see what you're saying. And I think you're right to absolutely contrast it to both of those relationships. Cause I think you're right. There's, there's fire and there's passion and there's also dedication. So there, there's not like, you know, you, I don't know on, on like quizzes or like online dating sites of which I've been on too many. Like there are always sort of those questions, you know, which, which do you prefer more passion or dedication? And it's like, well, why right. not both? Like right. to, to right. assume that he, you can have one be... without another or or can't have both or whatever like yeah i, I would and agree I guess, with you i guess yeah and i guess that's what it boils down to whereas even though i understand that willow gets that he's being manipulative and is smart enough to not fall for it i still feel a little worried that willow has now endorsed this false dichotomy yeah. you know that going into the relationship with the her oz troubles that now there's this there's this notion that you know that you know those things are mutually exclusive. I, um, I, I guess, and I think that's a troubling notion. I guess 
my response would be, um, I don't think I, I see Willow in that instance. And maybe this is just a difference in, in what we see her doing. Mm-hmm. I see her because we get later the, how gullible do you think I am? I see her as more of a, maybe, you know, when she says that it's, it's, I'm letting out some more rope for you to hang yourself with kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't see her as necessarily conceding the point. Like, yes, she says maybe, but I, but I also think maybe that we, we see Parker doing two different things too, because while you're right, he's, he, I mean, the words he uses make an argument and all of that. I still think that there's more sort of tied to the monotony, the tone, the, the hypnotism right. sort of aspect so it's it's less about the actual words that he's saying and more about the process of how he's saying it that right. seems to be sort of his trick his right. his thing. yeah definitely and, and definitely i i think we take everything he says with a grain of salt you know this yeah. is all a calculated thing to say right. kind of the right thing that sounds that is know. it's a rehearse it's a it's a performance yeah. he he's gotten yep. into his rhythm he's on stage he's you know really you know he he's got the the yeah again that rhythm or that that you know whatever that it is that he can you know just sort of say almost automatically what he knows women want to hear or right. or thinks they want to hear and to go back so so you're right like the, the things i was saying before about you know this some relationships and our deep emotional tie you're mm-hmm. right he does he does explicitly sort of debunk that he says what i'm looking for too but but he also couches that you know who feel an attraction you know come together mm-hmm. and create something wonderful again there is a universality in that sort of feeling so i think I think still in all of that, there's a sort of a, 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 a objective quote truth, even though he's using right. it clearly in a subversive way and, right. you know, trying to do all that. And, and I agree, like, I don't, I don't think, I guess I don't, I just don't think we're meant to ever really agree with him in any way. So I guess I, I, I don't really see the episode as a whole giving him a yeah point. and i think i think i just read that one little moment with willow a little differently whereas yeah. even if she ultimately rejects him there's that moment where something that he says seems to resonate with mm-hmm. and and it seems like she and considers the point and and um so that was kind of my you know yeah and the, the, my my one objection to that i um, honestly i think both of those readings are sort of valid because you're right. There are problems with Oz and, and, or there seem to be like, we seem to be hinting at possible future problems with Oz. Like, like maybe there's not problems yet, but there seems to be some developing. And so I, I can understand why you would sort of see it that way. I guess I just, I just always sort of took that as a coupled maybe in the moment, first time watching it. Yeah. But like coupled with the later, the, are you, do you really think I'm that gullible? Right. Like, it just seems to be like she's, she's more playing him and letting him spout his stuff until she can just say, right. you know, sort of lay the hammer down on him. Right. Right. <laughs> or maybe that's just what I want Willow to do. So that's why I see it that way. Well, and, and, and it might be what I'm afraid Willow is going to do in the upcoming episodes, because I can kind of see you, like you said, like these issues starting to sort of brew between 
her and Oz. So, and I don't know where that's going or what, mm. you know. So I, 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 maybe I'm sort of a little too, do you, you know, too sensitive to not winning Willow to be a victim. You I, know, know? <laughs> I know we've gone way out of order of what we were originally talking. Do you want to just yeah. talk about Willow and Oz real quick here before we, we might as go well. back to um, the other two? Um, yeah. Or the other characters, I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, one, did you recognize Veruca? No. Okay. A uh, couple episodes ago, we uh-huh. saw her when Oz was walking down a path. Oh, that, yes. He yes, turns yes. and. and yeah. No, okay. that I got. I thought you meant like from something else. No, I. Oh, I no, 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 no. Sorry. I definitely made the connection to. Um, to that moment of just, he, that she's the girl that they sort of stop and look at each other and yeah. seem to sort of sense something about each other. Um, right. And I just want to make sure that we picked up on that because it is a very brief moment and we don't yeah. necessarily get a great look at her in yeah. that moment. So, uh, yes, that is the same woman. And yeah. we want to make sure we have that clear <laughs> uh, that there's something about the two of them being in the same room that right. they seem to be able to sense each other right and i guess um you know i did kind of feel like his sort of connection to her was a little heavy-handed you know like but but then maybe that's the point you know because i kind of speculated that the way they kind of looked at each other it seemed like it was more than just two people who like you know thought oh like you know she looks nice or whatever. Like, it didn't seem like a normal attraction. It seemed like they sensed something. Like, that it was something more... And that like, they're not really sure. Yeah. That, yeah, like, that. it wasn't just, like, you know, a normal sort of sizing each other up. But, like, kind of, like, maybe something is, is like connecting them psychically or supernaturally or something okay. so um, so we're dancing so, around sort of the obvious do you want to just say what you think well i i'm thinking she's a werewolf since okay. oz is a werewolf and okay that seems like and i won't they confirm could... or deny okay. i'm just saying like we both seem to be sort of avoiding the word so okay. i just wanted to yeah yeah make sure that we're talking about it <laughs> no and that is kind of what it seemed like is like you know the way that you know Dogs can be around humans and they're fine, but another dog comes into the room and they're like, they have to check each other out or whatever. Mm. And it, it, it kind of, even though I kind of feel like it hammers home the point a little too strong, like he literally just stares at her. And like can't even, right, right. It, I, I felt like a little bit um, assaulted by that. On the other hand, if what they're getting at is that there is this, you know, uncontrollable you know attraction or urge or connection between them then i guess that kind of makes sense that like he literally can't take his eyes off her when she's there and he's completely distracted and even you know no matter how uncomfortable willow is or right um, well and it's and it's i think the interesting part is is that he seems to lose focus on willow which is something that we don't yeah, you don't really see from him. We don't, yeah. we don't notice from him before, right? And yeah. even just thinking about uh, back to when he first is noticing Willow, right? Right? Who's that girl? Like, who? who is that? 
you know, like, right, right. like there's That's the kind of, you used to look at me like that kind of thing. Right, know? right. There's <laughs> like, that, there's that. He did used to be drawn to her in that sort of way. He turned his head and looked at her and was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, um, not to belabor the point too much, but yeah, like, so it's that he's focused on Veruca in those moments. And then of course, wanting to go see her band again and, oh, right. two nights in a row, like, uh, yeah. Um, and and but then to also be a little bit oblivious yes. as to as to Willow's, you know, why that might make her feel right. That was the second point. Doesn't really yeah. seem to understand. Yeah. You know why she is uncomfortable, or why she'd rather go to the library, or like you know Willow kind of awkwardly says bye and runs away, and he kind of goes bye, like he doesn't really get it. Mm-hmm. Um, Which again is not really our experience with Oz like he's, no, he's, he's sharp and he's smart. very intuitive yeah. yeah yeah like he seems to know he he at least seems to know that something is wrong if he doesn't know exactly yeah. what is wrong like this time you're right like he seems to be like not even realize like what's going on here like yeah. there's or yeah. or I take think... the initiative to sort of chase her down and and just ask right. her which we would expect I think from him right cuz Oz is normally if anybody's sort of anti-drama, it's Oz, right? Like, he's not one to kind of, like, play sort of psychology games. He's one to just sort of come out and say, what's the problem? You know, like, what mm-hmm. what's the matter? And be direct, And you know? You know, again, from what we've seen of him, you know, it, as Willow goes, so goes my nation kind of thing, right? Like, there's, there's this sense that he's always going to be backing up Willow, except this time he doesn't. Right. So... Well, and I think it's interesting, too, that we're getting a little bit, I mean, it's, on the one hand, it's the same old Oz, but on the other hand, we get several references this episode to his, Mm. like, kind of notable laziness when it comes to schoolwork, you know, and it seems like that's being emphasized a bit, you know, that, like, on the one hand, yeah, he's always been like that, but, like, two or three times in this episode, you get, um... You know, Willow, you missed class, like, you know, either because he was, like, sick or practicing or he just skipped or, you know, Willow's copying out, you know, uh, her notes and whatever. So she's kind of, like, dragging him through, you know, they're still only a couple weeks into (laughs) freshman year, like, clearly this this isn't senioritis here, this is, like, the way he roles you know and 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 it seems to be maybe a little bit more than usual even um you know or maybe it's just when there are other problems those same old problems become yeah even doubly annoying you know like it's easier for willow to sort of be charitable when things are going well but you know when he's when he when she's copying out the notes so that he can skip class and go hang out with another girl, you know, then copying out the notes becomes a little bit harder. Um, so I just think it's interesting that as this you know kind of connection with Veruca is coming about, we're getting more than the usual amount of focus on his like inattentiveness to like practicality and kind of what he should be doing as a student and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And just re- remembering that he got held back 
in well, right. as a senior. No, and, and I do recognize, it's not like that's out of left field. It's definitely, yeah. you know, the, the, in the one sense, even if it is, you know, exacerbated, it's still the same old odds. You know, we've known that yeah. since, as yeah. long as we've known him, you know. Right. Yeah, so. So, yeah, we'll see where all of that goes, I guess, but. Yep. Uh, I guess we should get back to the cavemen. <laughs> yeah, although blissfully we've not given ourselves much time to talk about. We don't them, have so. too much time. Um, so first of all, we've got to talk about the famous caveman, uh, or the caveman who has since become famous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for another for another uh, movie about. Uh, Stoners and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right. So of course we're talking about Cal Penn, who uh, the actor who played Kumar from the uh, yeah. notorious Harold and Kumar movies. Yeah, um, yeah he's one of the cavemen. Um, I I don't. I mean, this is the only time we ever see him in Buffy. Yeah. I, I'm okay <laughs> saying that, and yeah, you know, good for him. He got to start somewhere. You know, I I don't. I'm sure this wasn't his first thing yeah, either but, yeah yeah uh you know just kind of funny no, to, sometimes you just need a paycheck funny to see especially since i never i didn't watch buffy when it was on so i actually had already seen like the harold and kumar stuff yeah that's I what i watched this. it too i'm like oh kumar <laughs> yeah um uh, so pretty funny but uh the actual yeah. like stuff that happens um mm-hmm. with the cavemen <sighs> <laughs> So I, you know, I, I want to bring up like sort of the first time we see the these smart uh, bar fly guy <laughs> come in because uh-huh. there's uh, a very distinct potential for a like a goodwill hunting scenario, uh, uh-huh. which actually came out like <laughs> a couple years before this episode. Right. So right. Um, could have been you know, some good play on that, but we get like the complete opposite, right? Rather than like the, the townie with no education, like sort of schooling the more educated, you know, scholar, the scholar just beats Xander down, right? Like it just, Xander has absolutely no really way of responding to, uh, you know, all the, right. Right. And and rather proving that Xander, Rather than proving that Xander can rise to their level, they get sort of dragged down to the bottom right. level. You right, know? well, that's... Right, yep. yep. Um, which further complicates the metaphor, because already we've got the beer, you know, and kind of, like, beer makes you act stupid, you know, and then we've got, like, the uncontrollable human id, which, you know, is in a part of all of us. But now we've got class issues, too, of, like... <laughs> you know, yeah. to, like of these like pretentious, too smart for their own good. They're not even really that smart. You know, they they just know a lot of big words and like to kind of pontificate about whatever. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and Buffy's kind of you guys really love to hear yourselves talk. Like that's pretty much it. Like they don't have anything to say. They just like to hear themselves talk. Um, you know, but and so you kind of get the revenge of the working class against these like overprivileged you know uh yeah. jerks basically yeah yeah um and and right so and the class thing is sort of even taken further because it's yeah it's the bar owner who is right, doing right. all of the right he's tired of whatever. being of being looked down on you know when 
you know, they're just a bunch of snotty yeah. kids who have a little too much power and money. And, and I think there's even an implication in there that, like, we're meant to almost see that, like, if Xander is there for another 20 or 30 years, like, he would be that bartender. The bartender. That, you know, like, he would sure. be that guy, like, right. sort of looking down. Because it, it's funny, like, he, you know, the bartender's like, oh, you know, now they can't look down on me. But in a way, like there's also a reverse sort of looking down on them at the same time. Like, you know, yeah. now you're worse than I am and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, and it's easy to kind of overlook that, you know, this seems like more of a Buffy episode or more of a Willow episode, but this is a continuation of Xander's story too, because we've gotten him being sort of, you know, embarrassed about being the townie and the only one in the group who's not in college and this is his way of getting into the college is getting a job at the bar you right, know like right, right. this is sort of a step closer towards the campus in a way yeah. um although of course it's in service to the campus not really a part of it um and he gets the you know the the guys you know kind of giving him a hard time the mm -hmm. whole time you know he he's kind of romanticized himself as this like Casablanca kind of figure like yeah, he's yeah. gonna meet this you know gonna meet someone special and he's gonna console all these nice girls but really he just has like bullies you know picking on him it's high school all over again well and then classic Xander when there is a very attractive yeah. woman in a you know Right. Slinky dress with a cigarette waiting right. to tell her troubles. Him for a light. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he's you know, trying to figure out what's going on with Buffy and looking at yeah. her and, yeah. and you know, focusing on her problem. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there may be a sort of running gag uh with all of the different sort of jobs and stuff that Xander has, like okay. as as he goes. Like I Sure. So just to sort of put that plug in your ear. I won't yeah, yeah. give away like other ones that he does, but it right. it does become sort of like that. Yeah, he has to sort of try a bunch of different stuff yeah. before he kind of finds well, yeah, assuming yeah. he ever finds anything. But anyway. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Like we are meant to see Xander here as as sort of continuing his pursuit. I mean, the bar burns down, so clearly he has to go do something else, you know, at the end of the episode. Like, yeah. he's not going to be working there. Uh, no. And, and, yeah, and struggling. Like, where, you know, because that, we've seen him in that same sort of struggle before. You know, now it's everyone's at college and he doesn't fit in. Well, we've seen him, you know, with the Zeppo, like that was yeah. sort of, he figured out how to fit in with the Scooby gang and where, what was his place. But all that's been erased since then. Like he's right. Like in order to even hang out with them, he has to like, you know, travel across town and go onto campus right. where he doesn't really belong and, and all of that kind of stuff. So like, it's like, he's again, sort of back into that mode of trying to figure out what his purpose, what his, Sure. Place within the group is and yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yes. Um, I feel like the one person we really didn't say much about was Buffy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's kind well, of appropriate because she kind of gets turned into a half cave person and 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 kind of loses all, you know, 
I mean, I guess the one thing which I kind of like is that um, it kind of shows that, like, <laughs> with the, you know, with the id metaphor, I guess, you know, Buffy's unbridled instincts are still to rescue people, you know? So, like, right, right, right. You know, the house is burning down, and even though she completely has no, like, real intelligence left to speak of you know she's completely you know lost all of that like she kind of on instinct i guess Mm -hmm. you know finds a way out carries people out even carries out the person that she despises you know Mm -hmm. and yeah she'll bonk him on the head but you know so i kind of like the positive note about buffy's her id instincts i guess um sure Sure. Yeah. And, and right. Like that she's a protector. She's, you know, someone who's looking out for other people. And, and there is, I mean, even as much as we may dislike Parker, there is a certain satisfaction, you know, to the fact that she doesn't do what she sort of says, she you know, implies to Xander that she could do. Like, if I just sort of knock him out and leave him in a room full of vampires it's not really like killing him well she has that opportunity not with vampires but with fire right if i leave him behind you know it wouldn't really be like i killed him yeah right and and she still seems even her like cave woman state still seems to have uh an animosity towards the way he treated her like she still seems to have an emotional reaction that is unfavorable towards him um but but we like to think that she's not at heart a killer, right? There's again the difference between a killer and a slayer. Like she's a slayer, but she's not a killer. She, you know, this is a human. This is someone who needs to be saved, and and so she does it maybe a little rougher than she needs to. But right. Um, and then the second bonk in the head at the end is just great. yeah. I mean yeah. Well, that's just pure satisfaction. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. And and again, so you get you get the idea that now she's over him, right? Like she sort of has the. I certainly hope so. <laughs> we, we get the idea, like even before she starts turning into a cave yeah. woman, like she's talking to Xander, and like right, she finally gets it. Like like, like she's it like you know, through, yeah, and and admits that she was sort of lying to herself because like yeah. all along we're kind of like, can you really not see this? And she even right. admits, no, I I, I kind of saw it. Like yeah. Yeah. I just didn't want to believe so yeah. uh i think all of that is well and good and we can look forward to some parker free stories moving forward perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um or at least less parker influenced yes <laughs> and we'll just settle for that yeah um, i'll take it but yeah you know i i think i sort of, to go back to what you were talking about in the beginning like it de- it's a memorable episode for sure if only because so many people say they dislike it. Right. And so, you know, I think when you get into it, there are definitely some character stuff. Uh, there is some character stuff that is worth sort of talking about. Um, yeah, overall, the metaphor doesn't work. The the It's confused. It's whatever. But, um, you know, the stuff between Willow and Oz, the stuff, you know, just getting Buffy to finally move on and, and, and the Xander stuff, you know, you know, so the three, the triptych there, uh, you know, we, we need to keep focus on. And I think we get some good stuff there a little more with Riley. We sort of get 
introduced to Veruca. Um, I guess before we move on to Doctor Who, I just have one more question I want to ask you, and this is coming out of the blue, but I wanted to do it this way. So uh, my question to you, to you is, and here's a little setup, in the first three seasons by now, uh, by the fifth episode of those seasons, and, and actually even earlier than the fifth episode, I, I think in all of the seasons, we had already pretty much met the person or being who eventually becomes the big bad. Uh-huh. Do you have a sense of who or what that might be yet at this point in time? And realizing that maybe even in this point in time in the other seasons, we didn't, you didn't know, but right. at least would have been introduced to the character that eventually became the big bad. Do you, do you have um, any idea or clue or thoughts about that? I mean, well, and this is just sort of a, a temperature check. I, I'm not saying yeah. we have or have not met that big bad entity. Uh, right. Just curious what your thoughts are. I mean, I don't really have any front runners yet because I feel like all the bad guys have been fairly contained to specific episodes. Okay. Um. So... I guess I'd be looking, I don't, like, I don't expect any of the one-off monsters to necessarily come back. Like, I don't expect that, like, Kathy's gonna make a return appearance, or, like, you know, or, or who was that, uh, that gang in the first episode, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, right, they all pretty much like I don't dusted, so. so. I mean, all the kind of monster of the week monsters seem like they've been sort of dispatched at this point. Um, so I guess I would either say maybe we haven't met the big bad yet, or I guess I would be looking at some of the other characters who are more recurring. So like maybe Spike and Harmony come back and become like more of a big bad or, um, I mean, I'm still on the fence about Riley, you know, he could turn out to be a more monstrous version of Parker for all I know, you know, I, like, it seems like he's recurring, so his role could go in a direction that I don't expect it to. Um, okay. Who else do we have? I mean, I guess Veruca or something to do with that plot, you know, could go in a villainous direction, maybe. We still, ooh, you know what I just thought of? We still have those guys with guns running around. This is true. Those kind of mass people. So they could have something to do with, like, a big bad. Like, either them or someone they work for or whatever. So mm-hmm. that would be my guess, is that it's either one of those, like, one of the more recurring characters that we don't know a lot about yet, or we just entirely haven't met the person who goes on to be the big bad. Sure, sure. And I'm not obviously going to give a hint one way or the other. I just wanted to sort of point out that in the three previous seasons, we had this pattern. So uh-huh. is there something we can deduce or or not? I don't know. Right. That, and right. just because okay. we have that in the first three seasons, you're right. Like we may not have met that right. person or creature or whatever it ends up being. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So all of those are possibilities. I think you picked out pretty much okay. all the ones I was thinking of that That's you might. That's the only ones I can think of, like who are 
characters that we have met and spent time with but don't know already. Yeah. Like, don't know well enough to to rule them out, I guess. I think all of that's good good analysis. So, well done. All right. Yeah, I just totally threw that out there. So, we can move on. Hopefully it's not Parker. As long as it's not Parker. (laughs) I mean, he is a big bad, but I don't want him (laughs) to be the big bad of the season. Yeah. No, I, I think we get the sense that at the end that he's... I don't know. Do, do you see his... I guess we're we're beyond our time, but just one final question. Do you see his uh, apology before Buffy bonks him as being sincere or not? I mean, yes and no. I think it's a sincere, I'm really glad you saved my life. I don't know that I believe he's sincerely repentant about his way of life you know or that that would make any sort of long-term difference you know i don't know that that means he regrets how he treats women i think it means he is glad he didn't die and that you know he's glad that buffy saved him sure sure so sincere up to a point (laughs) but i wouldn't stretch it too far gotcha gotcha all right cool um on to doctor who all right. We uh, are going to start talking about Amy because yeah. I feel like she's a big focus uh, and sort of touches a lot of the different stuff that goes on in this episode. Yeah, um, sure. So, of course, the question is where to start. I guess sort of... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, let's start at the end because we should, like, get that out of the way. Uh, okay. With... with the going back to her house and being yes. in her bedroom yeah. and basically throwing herself at the doctor. Uh-huh. Was not expecting that. <laughs> um, although, I mean, yeah. obviously we've gotten hints like uh, Victory of the Daleks where she's, you know, haven't you ever sort of fancied someone that you shouldn't yeah. and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And we, I mean, I took that as meaning she was talking about the doctor. So I, I don't think it's a huge stretch there, but then the very, like, I guess the very overt sort of sexual, uh, uh, stuff there was something I was not sort of expecting. So, um, that seems a bit of a departure from previous, uh, more hinted at. Right. uh, Right. More subtextual. Uh, and not that, I mean, we've seen the doctor kiss companions before, but yeah, this was very much more aggressive and what, and Hey, you know, Karen Gillan being aggressive is okay by me. Like, I don't have a problem <laughs> with that, but, uh, you know, the, the, it just, I guess, took me by surprise a little bit. Um, yeah. And, and so, but then there's a lot that sort of happens in that because I mean, obviously she sort of has revealed like she's doing this right after she's revealed that she's getting married in the morning. She's getting married in the morning. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what the doctor's kind of like, Whoa, wait, what, wait, you're getting married in the morning. Like, let's yeah, yeah. take a step back here. And it's trying to figure this stuff out. But, but also the idea that through all of that, the doctor realizes that there's something about her that mm. is happening with all of these cracks and, and the, uh oh what what does he what yeah. does he say he says uh uh it's all about you everything you know it's it's about you and and just trying to f- like like he sort of comes to this revelation and and pulls her into 
the TARDIS um, mm. or pushes her or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. whichever direction, either pushing or pulling, <laughs> they enter the TARDIS and, and sort of go on. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess that's interesting. I mean, obviously I don't know what that means, but, but now we're into like, we finally figure out like with the cracks, you know, that are sort of following them around and, you know, that we've seen here and there, like now it's explicit right now. They know that these cracks are following them. They know that, uh, that it is the crack from Amy's bedroom. And now there's this explicit connection that the doctor makes that we don't know precisely what it is yet, but that it's something about Amy herself, that there's something important that she is like, and, and like different than in a Donna and Wilf sort of way where the doctor, you know, uh, 10th doctor was, you know, talking about like, you know, why is, why are these things sort of centered around you and, and -hmm. whatever. And, and of course, Donna becomes the doctor, Donna, and then Wilf kind of has his moment as, you know, being in the spotlight of the one who needs to be let out and, and causes right. the regeneration and all that. So, yeah. like, this seems to be something different. Like, there's something... Oh, I mean, not that the Dr. Donna thing wasn't, like, a huge time-space event. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, they're, you know, talking about this sort of crack and getting the uh, explanation that it's it's the end of the universe, right? That's sort of there's this time energy bleeding out and, and that there's, uh, you know, he, he says time's running out cracks, cracks in time, time's running out. No, couldn't be, couldn't be. Uh, and then he makes a reference back to the duck pond from episode right. one, where you're like, wait a minute, how can there be a duck pond if there aren't any ducks? Right, and, right. And like these little things that just are sort of pulling together. And I don't, you know, I don't know the significance of that, the duck pond, but yeah. other than, it's another sort of example of something that people just, they don't remember ducks ever being there. So like, is that like the Daleks? They don't remember the Daleks or is that like, you know, the examples that we get of the soldiers here where they're wandering towards the light, but then eventually the ones who remain don't remember that there ever were any other soldiers besides them. Uh, So all of these sort of little things adding up, to what I don't know yet, but right. Uh, I feel yeah. like I don't know. That's all. I kind of I know. I went like all over the place there. I'm like I'm gonna start at the end and then just like <laughs> no, we're just mention stuff episode. like throughout um, the entire episode. So yeah, no, I think so. As far as like data that we're getting, you know, as to like what this is all kind of coming together. Um, so I would definitely, um emphasize like exactly i mean he makes the connection between how can there be how can it be a duck duck pond if there's no ducks and then he mentions amy not remembering the daleks and he and he mentioned something like the cyber king that that can walk you know walk across the whole city but it's not you know kind of in the the yeah no one remembers it Right. right So, and he kind of seems to be making a connection between that and uh, the experience with the clerics that, you know, as they walk one by one, they seem to get, disappear and to get erased from each other's memories, you know, Mm -hmm. except for Amy. Um, And, 
yeah, and, and the kind of the, you know, right or wrong, you know, remains to be seen. Maybe this needs to be finessed with more information or whatever, but I think pretty clearly the doctor says, uh, if the light catches up with you, you'll uh, never have been born. It will erase your existence. So there's, and he says something about what if time could run out. Right. So, you know, it's all pretty vague, but you're getting this sense of things being erased, I think, yeah. is sort of broadly well, what... And he, and he talks about, you know, time being able to be changed, that, right. that you can... Right, and and not just not just rewritten, but unwritten. I think that's yeah. a big point. You know, that he makes a distinction between something being rewritten and something being unwritten entirely. So not just changed, but but wiped clean. Um, so... Uh, you know, and and so I think the other thing, which I think is important, is um, the thing which seems to I think like kind of get emphasized is his revelation when he says like it's all about you. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing that kind of gives him pause is when he realizes that her wedding is in the morning, um, and uh, you know, quite possibly the single most important thing in the history of the universe is that I get you sorted right now. And she thinks that's like a come on. She says, right, right, right. that's what I've been trying to tell you. Yeah, um, yeah. That's not what he means. Right, she but... like flops on the bed and like, all right. Right, right. Yeah, like that's the point. Um, but uh, so he's had some sort of revelation about, you know, Amy and not just Amy, but Amy right now, the night before her wedding. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, because he picks her up and, you know, they go in the TARDIS. They're going to go sort it out, whatever that means. Um, and you get a recall of the shot of him kind of scanning the crack with that device with River. And and River kind of asks him to explain what it says. And he says it's Amy's time. And you get a date. Um, yes. You know, you get like... Right. Explain it for all of us who don't... June... June, read the underlying right like the, the base code of the universe and he says amy's time and it's like whatever it is june 26 2010 um you know and as the tardis is flying off you look you see her clock flip yeah to the next day when it's june 26 so right. yeah so this so the connection the implication being that you know the crack you know which we've seen connected to amy's bedroom is also connected to this date mm -hmm. you know of her wedding which, um, which, uh, yes, of course you were right. It, I had questions about the date right. and the era, so you're right. It's pretty clear. I said, now. like, you know, by now it, he makes it. If it if it was confusing before, it definitely is made explicit that the date is important. Um, but yeah, and I mean, obviously we're learning with the doctor as we go. Um, but mm -hmm. that's sort of the points that I would emphasize is the connection between the crack and Amy's, both Amy's place and Amy's time. Um, and also that, you know, the light seems to have this sort of, not just wibbly wobbly timey wimey effect, but like a, an erasure, you know, mm -hmm. of a kind of like, if you walk into the light, you will not just die, you'll be unwritten, I guess. Right. Right. Um, but also important that Amy and the Doctor, as time travelers, seem to be 
operating this slightly higher level of awareness. So the clerics forget each other, but Amy still remembers them. Um, and we've seen stuff like that before. Like, um, sure. I think the clearest example would be when the kind of year that never was gets erased in Last of the Time. Well, not so much erased as reversed in Last of the Time Lords. Um, that those who are still in the Valiant, in kind of the eye of the storm, are mm -hmm. able to remember it. That sometimes when time is, you know, rearranged, right. you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're a time traveler or if you're positioned at a certain point, you retain the memory of what was changed, I guess. Um, right, right. Sort of as the, the fixed point, right? Like it's right. that everything else is sort of revolving around you not in an egotistical way although maybe that as well but uh, right. uh you know it it just because you're the one sort of causing the change or or affecting yeah. you know whatever uh that, it, that well it and you kind of get you. like <clears throat> i kind of think of the ninth doctor talking about like or was it the tenth i don't remember when who said this when but but the doctor having the ability to sort of see all of time kind of and it's oh, yeah. infinite to you know and you kind of get the sense that maybe not to the extent that the doctor can but the the companions it's... or those who travel in time get more of that kind of bird's eye view of being able to see alternative you know versions or possibilities or remember things which have been changed or these different things yeah um I believe that's the ninth doctor uh, who says that when I can't remember it now. When when Rose uh, explains that she can see, you know, with the, uh, you know, as as the bad wolf, as you know, having right. the TARDIS, right, right. whatever yeah, yeah, inside yeah, of yeah, her, yeah. and 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 uh, in I want I guess in the parting of the ways where yeah, yeah. where. Uh, She's sort of explaining, and and he goes, "That's that's what it's like." That's how I time. see it too, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like a, a a version of that, I would say. Yeah. Um. So then the question, yeah, becomes like, what is, what is it about Amy? Is it because the crack was there before the doctor came, right? And so is there, you know, and this isn't necessarily for you to answer now it's it's just a question that i have but you know is there something about that crack like did it seek her out did she cause it was there something mm. uh you know if now the doctor is sort of realizing that there's something about her and it's sort of tied to this crack and and the fire at the end of the universe and all mm. of that um you know like is there what is it that's about her? Because it it seems like it's something that started before the doctor got there. But then, there's, right. so here's the other thing, though, that, that I don't quite get. Because there's also hints that it's the doctor's fault right. in a way, too. <laughs> right. So, like, yeah. and, and I mean, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. So, like, sure. it could be yeah. both. Uh, you know, but even, like, from the from the early beginning, there's there's... Yeah. Uh, you know, hints from the uh, Prisoner Zero about the Doctor. Uh, and again, we, so we get, you know, these multiple, like, monstrous creatures laughing sort of at right. the Doctor. You get Prisoner Zero, say, you know, saying, ha-ha, you know, the Doctor doesn't get yeah. it. And then you get the angels here saying, doing their sort of hideous laughter. And, 
you know, saying we're laughing because the doctor and the TARDIS doesn't get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they literally kind of say the same thing. Like, it's like the doctor, the doctor doesn't know, like that taunting. The doctor yeah, and the yeah. TARDIS doesn't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Which kind of does imply that he should know. Um, right, know. and and that there's, and I and not even just that he should know, but like he should know because he's maybe the cause or was right, right, was right, or, or had a hand with it, yeah, right, had a hand in in somehow, uh, yeah, not just like about like not just like oh you don't get it, but but it's it's yeah, it's like they they pointed out almost that it's very ironic that he wouldn't know, right, right, yeah, like you of all people should know, right, right, what's going on here, and you don't, yeah. and that's funny to us monstrous creatures, right, um. So yeah, I, I mean that's curious. It is. That's curious. Uh, so back to Amy. <laughs> well, we said we were going to wander around with. Yeah, Amy. we we did sort of wander around a little bit. Do you have any other? Um, do you have any other uh, thoughts about that final scene? Um, I mean, so. Like there's there's I mean, it's obvious just from what we saw in the first episode and 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 now, like, I mean, the doctor has been to her, you know, a fantasy literally and figuratively, you know, for many years. So, you know, there's like on the one hand, like there's sort of an understandability that like before she goes on and moves on with the rest of it, because she does like, okay, talking about like two people connecting right you know in in one uh night and then sort of moving on that seems to be what she wants like yeah she even says i don't i don't have think i have the quote exactly but you know she even talks about like i'm you know this isn't i'm not talking about like relationship here yeah Yeah, yeah. like we're, we're you know this is whatever and you know oh why did i leave my engagement ring when i ran away with a strange man in the night before my wedding like you know this is yeah, this is her fling. This is her, you know, last chance at being with someone else before she, you know, gives herself completely, which is not an uncommon idea in these sorts of stories or possibly even real life. You know, I mean, that right, right. sort of thing does happen. And so, I mean, that's not unheard of. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think what I would point to would be like, that combination, you do get the sense that there's the kind of cold feet thing going on of, of wanting, of, of being on the precipice of something, you know, you know, this kind of growing up and lifelong commitment and all these things. And, and her, like you said, having her childhood fantasy sort of waltz in the night before the wedding Mm -hmm. and, and this sense that she's, going off with him and kind of, you know, keeping the door open to, you know, something more just because it's, you know, it is that last chance to yeah. kind of be reckless, I guess, and to do, right. you know, um, something that she'd well and fantasized about. But that it does seem to be, uh, I don't say this to mean that Amy is shallow, but that it's a shallow thing, that it's more like, Buffy's id fantasies that it's something that you know she's 
she's not looking for a long term. Like she, you know, the doctor says like, this can't work. And you kind of feel like he's thinking about Rose, who was 19 and it would never, and Amy's <laughs> like, I'm not interested in that. Like I'm right, pretty right. much in looking to be, cause the other thing you get is not only is it this sort of night before her wedding, but you get um, her kind of citing, you get this kind of like, she had this near death experience and, right. you know, right. and, and it's sort of like, actually it made me kind of think this time of like Buffy and faith, like after they get, after they get slain, oh, they get yeah. really horny. <laughs> like there's something about the, like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the danger and the thrill seeking that kind of turns her on a little bit. And I think the, it's the combination of those things, you know, which make her sort of get a little bit, wild here you know you know whereas maybe it was something that she was sort of flirting with or thinking about they're what kind of push her over that edge i guess yeah i you know but then there's also there's like a little interesting dichotomy there too because you know she's she's talking about the here and now and but you're getting married in the morning but then she also says well the morning's a long time away right the implication being that even though she's not talking necessarily about a long-term thing that even after, if they do whatever she wants them to do, right, that they're gonna still go on and have adventures and stuff right. for right. some amount of time, right? It could before be, she actually it could goes be tomorrow morning for a long time, you know, right, right, right. Um, so you know, for someone who might be feeling nervous, this is a very convenient you know loophole in that arrangement, right? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so there is that aspect of it too. Like, it's not, it's not like she's saying, okay, let's do it. And then I'm going to go get married. It's like, no, let's do it. And then let's go, you know, visit some more planets. Right. right. <laughs> and, and we'll, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. The, uh, the other aspect. So I want to contrast all of that though, mm. against the, the little bit more like, serious well and, and that, i mean that stuff's kind of serious but it's also kind of funny like yeah. there but like the other more serious stuff where when she has to close her eyes mm-hmm. and then the doctor and river and octavian are gonna leave yeah. and amy's sort of feeling scared and vulnerable and abandoned left, uh, left behind yeah. again yeah like yeah so there's there is that and and the doctor, you know, is trying to console her. He says, I'll be back for you as soon as I can. I promise. And she says, you always say that. And he says, I always come back. But, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes a long time later. Yeah, there's like a long time <laughs> yeah. in between when he comes back. So, like, yeah. whatever. And then, like, he comes back immediately. And is like, yeah. Amy, you need to start trusting me. It's never been more important. Uh but you don't always tell me the truth. If I always told you the truth, I wouldn't need you to trust me. Like there's this, there's this, Oh man, man, I can't stop thinking about Parker in these situations now, which sucks. <laughs> but like, this is the deeper connection part, right? Like this right, is right. the, okay, we've been, you know, we've had a few trips now. Like there's, there's a point at which you need to just realize that I mean what I say and that I will come back and that I need you to just do what like river does and just sort of implicitly mm. trust my decisions and, and yeah, 
even though I don't necessarily even know what's going to happen. You just need to trust right. that that it can work out. So, you know, again, just contrasting that with that final scene of, mm-hmm. you know, Amy sort of not looking for the deep right. building of trust and commitment. Well, I mean, and I get, I mean, she does trust him because, you know, whatever. But there's just, there just seems to be, uh, uh, a, a, a distinct misunderstanding, maybe, or 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 mm. viewpoint in their mutual relationship, like of yeah. what they're both sort of how they both sort of see each other, and you know how they both are sort of interacting with the other. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know what to make of that wholly. Um, we did talk a little bit in the last episode, even about those sort of almost parental mm-hmm. roles that, uh, the doctor and river sort of have with regard to Amy. Yeah. And yeah, and ma- you definitely get that from river with sort of taking care, making sure to take care of Amy and kind of yeah holding her in a, in a motherly sort of way and everything. I think. Right. Well, and I, and like, even in the last episode we talked about like the, you know, doctor saying, give her a hug, you know, like, right, right. you know, like there's that whole, like, uh, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. uh, you know, and again, you know, I don't, I don't know, like the doctor, you get the moments where like, he's trying, like, he can't just do stuff for her. Right. So he's trying to get her to do stuff like trying to get her to remember what it is he yeah. told her and, and trying, you know, you have to do this. You have to walk like you can see without actually being able to see, right. You right. know, like all of these moments where, uh, right. You know, it's kind encouragement, of like tough love but, kind of moments. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, that's like what that. I think of in that, that part with, you know, you're not doing it. You have to do it. Like, I know you don't like it, but you're doing it. Like, that's yeah. how you talk to a stubborn, afraid kid. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know what? Tough. This is good for you and you have to do it. Um, yeah, and not even, and and like, I didn't even get that sense quite so, I mean, that sense is in there. But I, I guess more like, it's not even like you have to do it because I'm saying it. It's, it's like, you have to do it because if you don't, you're going to die. Like I want right, you to yeah. do it. Like I, yeah, I exactly. literally cannot do anything for you. You're the one who has to do it or else yeah, it's all yeah. done and over. And either you die, you like your two options are you die or you get erased from all of memory and eternity. Right. <laughs> like, or you do what you have to do get done right now so uh anyway yeah yeah um okay so two things in there too um again with the kind of you know parental stuff i i think um it's kind of interesting that that part where he says you know i'll you know trust me i'll be back and then he gets up and he kind of bumps her on the head like you know (laughs) late amy later and he kind of like just yeah. kind of taps her head in a kind of like abrupt way um, to kind of contrast that with when he does come back like a minute later and very sort of tenderly takes her hands, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, kind of two different ways of relating to her there, um, mm-hmm. which I think are important. Um, and then I guess to throw a curveball question at you, since he threw a few, you know, at me when 
we were talking about Buffy. Um, he says, remember what I told you when you were seven? And she says, what did you tell me? He said, no, that's the point. You have to remember. And, and she says, remember what? But he's gone by then. So I guess yeah. my question to you is, what do you think he means by that? I did think about this. Okay. Um, and, and the thing that I came up with, and I, I don't, I didn't actually go back and like rewatch or anything. So like, sure. uh, just based on my own memory, the thing that I came up with was when he says to her, uh, do you know how like sometimes adults will say, you know, everything's going to be okay, but you know, it's mm-hmm. really not. That was, and then he yeah. says to her, everything's, everything's going to be okay. Like, yeah. so that's. Yeah. That was the thing that I was thinking that he meant, hmm. but okay. I don't know. I mean, it's either that or fish custard. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming it's not fish custard. So, um, I don't, you know, I mean, that seemed like, a, I remember thinking that that seemed like a significant thing at the time, even obviously yeah. not knowing what else was going to happen after that. So that sort of popped into my mind as, as the thing they said, but I mean, you know, they have several conversations when she's younger, so yeah. it could be something else. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I and I so yeah. I mean, that's all. That's all good. I won't, you know. Yeah, don't give my thoughts on that at this point. And then I guess the only other thing I would sort of point out is that, um, again, Amy's sort of memory is being emphasized here. You know, the doctor's kind of telling her to remember what he said, and we also get. Amy's ability to sort of remember things that maybe she shouldn't, you know, that these clerics have been erased, but she can still remember them even though they can't remember each other. Yeah, um, which which so is... just a little connection there. I think, so that's interesting because cause she doesn't remember the Daleks, which he says she should be able to. Right. So there seems to be, and he talks about the fact that now that she's a time traveler... She has sort of a different interaction with memory and time and all of that stuff, too. So obviously when she was younger, that all happened before she was a time traveler. So, like, if there's a significance, it's it's that, that that there's a connection through time that she has to make back to a time before she was a time traveler that has a significant memory for her. I said that really awkwardly and, and <laughs> convolutedly, but I like think I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that would be sort of the thing. Yeah. That, like that, there's some even and like maybe it doesn't even matter what she remembers, but it's mm-hmm. something. It's remembering something from that period that mm-hmm. is actually all that matters because in doing that, there's some way to defeat the cracks or whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm sort of going way off on a. No, speculation here, but it's all all good speculation. Um. So yes. Yeah. So the uh. So the other thing. So I want to talk about Amy and the Angels. Yeah. That could that could, should be that's like a like a forgotten eighties <laughs> band name. Amy, yeah. Amy yeah. and the Angels. Amy um, and the Angels. They open for Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, the um. So the whole thing with the Angels there, like the end, like very scary and creepy i mean the angels throughout of course this is we get a little different feel this time around than even like in the last episode um yeah with the uh 
like especially when they're sort of backing down the hallway and like then the lights have to go out and they're like firing and you're seeing the splash like you get more of right. a sense of like blink where they're right, in the basement right. yeah. and they're advancing with each uh yeah between like light bulb flashes yeah and yeah, yeah that kind of thing so, uh, which i like i like that they sort of do have that sort of callback to the scary stuff um but then when she's walking through, so now we actually get to see the angels move. So I actually do have, these are controversial decisions. Um, and I actually do have two bones to pick with Moffat here. Okay. I, I'll, I'll put myself in a camp because I think these are controversies. Uh -oh. So you have uh -oh. to sort of pick a side. Sure. Um, I think he, I think he violates the rules of the angels a little bit here in a couple different ways. One uh -oh. being. He goes off canon. I think he well, and it's not it's not about it's not the continuity that bothers me. It's it's that there is a logic to it, which I think is being made I mean, I guess I don't mind things changing if by changing it you make it better. <laughs> but if it makes it well, less good it I I don't well, so I have two issues. One is the doctor's explanation about if you pretend like you can see them, their instincts will kick in. And to me, that just doesn't gel with the whole sense we've had of the angels as operating biologically, right? That it's like uh, it, it, this biological quantum lock that, mm. you know, you imagine if a... They literally a, can't exist. If a, if a mouse can see them, they can't move. Or they can't, they can't um, look at each other, which is why they close their eyes. Like, it's been made very clear that this isn't something they have any choice over. So it kind of... Is a little fuzzy to me. even though I like the idea of Amy having to walk with her eyes shut. That's a nice idea, but um, I don't know that I like. I just would have t find a way to without specifically saying saying that they're that it's an instinctive kind of thing. Um, it just makes it a little less special, I think. The other thing which I really am not a fan of is seeing the angels move because I think it takes the viewer out. I've always been very partial to the notion that if we right. can see if them, we can see them. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. we're a part of the game. Um, and it, 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 it loses some of that meta audience participation element a bit. Again, even though it is creepy and, you know, it, it looks scary. Um, I think I prefer the more rigid rules for the angels. Um, but I, those are, those are controversies. So those are my opinions. They're not the only opinion. So yeah, sure. I think I agree with you on the first, but not the second. You like the angels moving. I, I kind of do. Okay. And, but I, I, I understand what you're saying. And I do like the idea of like the viewer sort of, I like both. And I'm just going to say, I'm going to be contradictory in that way. Because yeah. I, I like yeah. I, I do like the thought of like the viewer is also sort of participating. So as long as we can see them, but they then yeah. but then you get into like additional controversy or conundrum or whatever, because then there's the viewer as viewing an image of an angel that becomes an angel right. itself, right? So like. Right. Like now with these like new explanation of of that, then it's like, well, if the viewer is a participant as well, 
what is what does that mean? And clearly that I mean the angels aren't going to come crawling out of my computer screen or TV screen or whatever I'm watching it on. So well, yeah. I mean, I I know I know there's like the creep scare factor, but I mean, obviously we know that that's not literally going to happen. So so then that that already has sort of taken the viewer out of sure you know play. Yeah, I I feel like that strengthens the viewer participation a bit of of to me that's still an engagement with the audience whereas this this removes the level of engagement a bit for me okay um i will say uh i don't know that moffat's ever defended that decision one way or the other but uh we will see the angels again i won't say when or sure. how often I he does not use that, that technique again several times <laughs> of the moving the moving they don't move after okay. this so and I, I think that's fine. i do wonder if there was there was enough you know and and you know that's I think there's an argument to be made for both sides. And I do, I don't think it's, I don't, it doesn't bother me because it doesn't work. I think it works. Like, it's scary. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's effective. I just uh, prefer it the other way if I had to choose. Um, yeah. No, I, I think I definitely, uh, though, agree with you on, on sort of your first point about, you know, just the mechanism of of the angels biology <laughs> like right. that seems more and and, and you don't and really especially... need it you don't really need it either is the thing like i think the doctor's explanation that they're scared and running from the light they're not that interested in you is is good enough to get you through without yeah. saying like well they're not going to move because they think you can see them and you're going to trick them into thinking that you can right. like i just feel like it was unnecessary well, and I think the other thing, so I, I guess if I have any problem, like, I, it's it's the visceral thing of the angels moving, and you're like, oh, they're moving, and yeah. get out of there, Amy, and that sure. kind of thing, which which is what I like about it, which I think you're saying you kind of, you like that that works a bit, too, but... No, I think it definitely does, yeah. Um, I think, for me, sort of the, the other problem, you know, that I would have with that is that there the implication or the explanations that we get is that they're not stone when you don't see them that they turn right. to stone when you see them right or right. you know as you see that whatever you know the quantum so like when you see the stone moving right, right. that doesn't seem consistent like and maybe i mean i guess i'm maybe just this was my conception but the the sort of implication or suggestion that you're given is that they're actually a sort of a, some kind of flesh and blood thing, yeah. you know, creature right. when, when you don't see them, but when you do see them, they are stone. Right. Well, and I think that's what is, what's lost is your own imagination that, that, you know, it's almost right. like there's that line of, there, there's such a thing as too much information. Yeah. You know, and, and it takes away that element of, I, I would prefer to never know what the angels look like when we can't see them. Sure. You know, whereas this, I feel like, tells me. And by telling me, it's, of course, slightly underwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's not as cool as my own imagination and having no idea. Um, so, 
Fair enough. You know. Fair enough. It's a small point. I still think it works, but, um, you know. Yeah, I think I think it works on a sort of emotional level. But I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I which is kind of funny because we're usually sort of like flipped. Uh, not to say that you're illogical and I'm unemotional, <laughs> but like but like I think we tend to take the opposite sides of things. And, yeah. and, and uh, in this case, we we're not. So yeah. that's interesting. Um, I, I think I think in this case, I feel differently because what is so effective about the Weeping Angels is the very strict set of rules that they operate under. So sure. when they when you start to mess with those rules and not by expanding on it, by by like undermining rules that you've established, it, I think, undermines their effectiveness a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. There are obviously, you know, other people who would disagree with that. And I think maybe Moffat even kind of started to rethink some of those things. Because I think he doesn't quite take those... He doesn't go quite that far with that kind of rule bending um, after this point. Right, right. Um, Um, But... No. They're still great. I mean, they're still... I mean, just... Did you like Amy's little red riding hood with her red hoodie in the woods? Um, yeah, yeah. Surrounded yeah. by angels. I mean, that is just such a great... And, again, the, and this is what Moffat is great at, is just coming up with how to make it scarier and scarier. So, okay, you've established that, you know, you, you know, you can't blink or they'll get you. Okay, but if you look them in the eye, they're going to get in your eye. Okay, but now... If she opens her eyes, she'll die. So you just keep making it worse and worse. So to finally, she has to walk through the forest with her eyes shut. So she's sort of screwed no matter what she does. Like, and that is a very effective section, you know. Um, yeah. So definitely one of the scariest parts ever, I think. Speaking of the opening of the eyes and stuff, I... I sort of thought there was going to be something more uh, dramatic about her opening her eyes to look at the crack. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It, um, well, because she clearly keeps them open for longer than a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, like there was the the actual lengths of time between her counting down sort of varied as well. So, like, yeah, I yeah, didn't have true. too much problem. Like, I, I sort of took, like the for a second just to mean like like figuratively not not necessarily yeah, yeah. literally a second yeah, but yeah. which uh, seems to be what they what Moffat and well, team also intended, considered yeah, yeah. because that she obviously has them open for much longer than a second yeah um but yeah i guess i sort of i thought that maybe there was going to be something about the fact that she was looking into the crack that would mm. like bring the angel out and in a way that's ultimately what happens but it's later like it's when all of the angels fall in the crack oh yeah the one in your mind also happens to which i don't quite understand that like it seems like it would have been more effective to have had it be when she looks into the crack and like i don't know the angel is drawn out somehow or Mm. something like you could have almost had a cool like cgi effect of the angel getting sucked into the crack or whatever right 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 yeah um but that yeah. doesn't happen. I, I I find the explanation that the angel in her mind is affected by the same gravity that 
makes all the other angels fall into the crack a little kind of weird. Well, I always took it as that it's a it's a projection of Angel Bob. So if Angel Bob falls in and gets erased, so does his projection. That was my Oh, that's oh, that, how I always That read could it. be. I didn't really think of it that way. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. No, um, I mean, that's how I read it. So I still would have liked it to have happened when she looked into the crack. But I, I, I guess that looking at it that way makes makes some sense, too. Um, and that's why it's my very minor points. I mean, nothing, yeah. nothing big. I just like I said, I was sort of like you. You're getting that moment. of Okay, like I've been warned all What's these times yeah, to yeah. not open my eyes. And now I'm going to open my eyes and. Yeah. Nothing, nothing much really happens. happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but we get from the angels even a little bit of explanation about the crack and stuff. So we get um, that they're like trying to feed on it, basically, and that it's mm-hmm. a, some sort of attract, like more attractive than like the actual killing of the people that they're chasing. Right. Like feeding off time energy, um, you know? Yeah. And, uh, Bob, Angel Bob says, there's a rupture in time. The angels calculate that if you throw yourself into it, it'll close and they will be saved. I like that whole, like, uh, you know, twist on what the doctor does, right? Like, the doctor saves whole species of creatures. And now, like, the angels seem to know that. So now they're, like, appealing to his sense, sense of, like, humanity or whatever. You know, like... Yeah. You know, please save us, doctor, and sacrifice yourself because we know that you do that sort of thing. And, right, right. And the, the angels need your sacrifice now. And, and, yeah. And that's, like... in- that's interesting. Hold on to that thought. Hold on to that because okay. we might see that idea pop up one or two well, more I times. Just, so. Yeah, and not that the, I no, mean, the it's doctor. A nice, it's a nice inversion of kind of the Yeah, normal. I mean, yeah. the doctor never, like, truly, well, I mean, he did sort of like for Wilf, but like, yeah. you know, on a whole, like it's not that he sacrifices him so much that, that he just, he does what he needs to do to save, you know, whatever race, like not mostly right. the human race, but other races as well. He's certainly done yeah. like the Ood and, and whatever. So, yeah. um, I, I just, I like that. Yeah. The angels sort of know this about him and yeah. that they really, try to use it uh you know to to sort of try to pull at his heartstrings and he's just like nah dude come on well <laughs> that that moment when like like you know if, if you throw yourself in you'll save us and he's like why would i do that and they're like well you'll save your friends too and he's like oh yeah, he's like, yeah <laughs> there is that, but, yeah. but of course then he figures out a way to save them and not save and the not angels. save the angels exactly <laughs> so like yeah. um well, Which is and interesting, I like, because... and I like that that idea of like very deliberately as the gravity fails, the doctor keeps looking at them, so they can't move, so they have to fall in. You know, they can't. Like, yeah, whereas yeah. Presumably, his they eyes can maybe open. like he keeps their eye to make sure that they all go in. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, you know, but so then again, you're back to the doctor and sort of genocide here that's a good point uh you know he's and and not really having the same qualm with it as maybe no not so much with the second chances (laughs) not 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 with the not with these angels anyway like he seems to not really even be able to find even i mean he he found empathy with 
the Daleks, you know, right. but like, right. Not here. Uh, right. so yeah, just, a, an interesting sort of play on all of that. Yeah, uh, definitely. we are not leaving ourselves much time to get to like river song and Octavian, which we need oh, to that, yeah, we should discuss. Do that. Um, so, uh, a few things about River. So one, um, I, I like her little speech to Father Octavian. You know, when the doctor's in the room, your one and only mission is to keep him alive long enough to yeah. get everyone else home. And trust me, it's not easy. Yeah. Now, if he's dead back there, I'll never forgive myself. And if he's alive, I'll never forgive him. And yeah. doctor, you're standing right behind me, aren't you? Uh, and then she says, I hate you. You don't. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I, I like that because... Uh, She's said that before, but this is the first time he kind of gives it back. Like, before it was, I think it was in Forest of the Dead, she says, I hate you, and he says, I know. Um, and mm. she might have said it once or twice else, too, but this time it's more, he, no, you don't. Like, he's starting to sort of respond in kind, yeah. or, like, playfully, you right. know. He's he's sort of getting the dynamic of their relationship yeah. a bit better than, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't know. I like that. Like you get this all because that feels more like even what the doctor, uh, does like, you know, he'll, he'll be talking about someone and just kind of going on and whatever, yeah. you know, like, so I, I like that it's, I mean, obviously there's a different tone and quality to it or whatever, but you get that sense of like, she's saying what she's thinking, but then like realizing at the same time that there's something else going on and the doctor right, is right, right there and and it has a very sort of doctorish feel to it so yeah yeah you kind of get yeah, that, that kind sense of hyper awareness of like, yeah yeah that there's a good that there's maybe a good reason why they're whatever they are to each other right, um right. which we still don't sort of officially know although we suspect uh maybe it's not what we suspect maybe it's not what i suspect but anyway um we also get sort of the longer explanation of Rivers' uh, former incarceration uh, mm -hmm. from Octavian. Um, interesting sort of moment that he chooses to, like, reveal that. Like, I'm not sure what his motivation is in that particular moment of why he feels the need to tell the doctor, you know, oh, Dr. Right. Song's in my personal custody I released her from the storm cage containment facility four days, which I'm just assuming is some kind of prison. Like, I don't know. May yeah. The doctor, yeah. the doctor recognizes it. Oh, you were in store. Like I, right. it's like Alcatraz. Like if someone right, said right. I was there, you would turn it yeah, yeah. yeah. I was in Sing Sing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, you just sort of know that that's, yeah. and presumably, you know, like a maximum, right? So she killed someone. Like this isn't like right. where you go for tax evasion, right? Um, right. You know, so it's it's uh, and that he's legally responsible for her until she's accomplished her mission, which I guess again is to stop the angels. Like, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, that like helping I, helping Octavian stop the angels, basically. Um, and then, and she like kind of ignores it because the doctor says, "Oh, you were in Storm Cage," and she just kind of ignores him and yeah. keeps going and whatever. Um, I was not expecting that she was going back to prison at the end. Yeah. Like so that 
I found that interest because I mean she does fulfill her part of the deal, but all right. of the soldiers are dead. But that's the thing is Octavian's the the guy who is legally responsible responsible is dead. So um, presumably he didn't get to put in a good word for her before, you know. So I mean she kind of says maybe I've done enough to earn a pardon. To me that means if it was ever Octavian's decision, the fact that he died means that somebody else is going to make the decision about whether right, or not right. she's earned the pardon. And I think, I mean, I sort of, I didn't, I wouldn't put it in those terms maybe, but I think sort of vaguely that got that same impression. Like yeah. it's possible, but it like maybe unlikely. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, or at least not automatic that there's some sort of right. evaluation, you know, yeah, there's, they're I not mean, just letting her go. There's not like, there's some, like obviously he would have been able to give like testimony about how much she helped and whatever, but right. he's dead and suspicious that she's the only sort of surviving member of the entire group. So, right. Right. Um, uh, and the reference to the handcuffs, uh, yeah. which presumably the doctor put them on her, I guess. Oh, like, I don't know. I like, wouldn't, I, that's weird. I would never have imagined that. I don't, I, I don't know what I thought. Um, cause we don't see any other like guards or anything. I just assumed all the guards are, are dead. I thought, well, I mean, maybe they're self-working hand. I, I can't imagine. Cause she doesn't have them on. No. In the, in the spaceship. So like, does she put them on herself? I just have a hard time imagining like, the doctor doing that. I don't know why. I do too, but I, I'm trying to think of another valid I, explanation and I just can't think of one. <laughs> I would think they either sort of got sort of magicked on her or that there are guards who came down who we just don't see would be my reading. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I don't have a better one other than just they're on her and they weren't before. So, right. <laughs> and all of the guards that we knew from Octavian's that... troop are dead. Right, and I think all of that aside, really they're there to have that callback, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, and... I, there's obvious, from a, yeah, from a story and, and emotional perspective, obviously we're meant to think of the Doctor being handcuffed to the thing right. while River basically dies. The, the, the more sort of important thing is, like, I guess I would have expected that, like, given the fact that all of her guards had died... Like, why didn't she just run away somewhere? Or why didn't she just go with the Doctor and the TARDIS again? And, I mean, maybe right. the explanation is he wouldn't let her go in the TARDIS again, knowing that she's sort of a prisoner or whatever. But, like, she could have just ran off. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a sense in which she didn't need to go back to prison right. necessarily. Um, yeah, I guess the the one point that I would add to, like, as a possible explanation for why not would be that she, even though she doesn't seem to really want Octavian to tell the doctor what she did, once he says that she kind of doesn't deny it. You know, she says, uh, you know, the doctor says, you know, Octavian said you killed a man. And she says, yes, I did. Best man I've ever known. So she sort of not only owns the fact that she did this, but, did it to a good person, you know? Mm. So I would maybe throw in the point that potentially, I guess if you're saying she could have run away and she didn't, and we see her sort of owning 
you know, responsibility that maybe that that's the decision is not running away from the crime, but actually, you know, accepting the punishment yeah, for accepting it, the guess. guilt and the punishment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and that was right where I was going to go next because the strong implication is that she kills the doctor. I think that's the way I read that is yeah. that, you know, I mean, the hints are all there. Very good man, best right. man I've ever known. Yeah. It's a long story. And, it can't be told. Like, yeah, yeah. Short, and, and short of saying spoilers, which would almost have to imply that confirm it. Would it. Say, yeah. And Octavian like, says, "A good man, a hero to many." You don't want to know, sir. You really don't. So. Right. 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 Yeah. So there's there's all of these sort of hints that she kills him. Uh, you know what kills means in that instance is right right to be determined like is it and he then regenerates or is it and then he's dead dead right uh, right which would be you know an interesting parallel as well to the fact that he sees her die already like he's already sure. seen her die um, right and that's my favorite thing about i think i said this over email or something that's my favorite thing about the handcuffs reference is that the irony sort of works both ways because mm-hmm. She's saying, you know, you, me, handcuffs, must it always end this way? So presumably she's referring to something that we and the doctor haven't seen yet, that there Mm -hmm. must be another instance in which it ended this way. But the doctor knows that that's true. (laughs) For his only other time that he met her, that is how it ended. Um, And she doesn't really know that. So, again, there's like, it's echoing in both directions. Um, Yeah. And... But again, you get that sense that each of them knows things about the other that they can't talk about. And they can't, they kind of are both right, but they don't realize how they might be right in both ways, you know, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a hint of that will, I mean, we know that we're going to see River again, I guess. Sure. Yeah. But we get a, a specific hint about when the Pandorica opens, which yeah. that, something named Pandora or Pandorica, like there's an ominous tone to it opening. Right. right, um, right. So, you know, right. And do you remember prisoner zero mentioning that too? The Pandorica? Yeah. Yeah. I remembered that it had been mentioned. I wouldn't have been able to told you it was prisoner zero. So yeah, it was in um, that, um, uh, that little prophecy section of, of, Okay. The universe, the universe is cracked. The Pandora will open. Silence. Will oh yeah, fall, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Okay. Uh, that whole um, little section. So. And then, uh, yeah. and then we get that question of the Doctor, which again is a nice parallel to his own asking of Amy to trust him. Mm-hmm. We get the Doctor asking River if he can trust her, mm-hmm. and she says, "If you like, but what's <laughs> the fun in that?" So. The implication being that, yeah, maybe she's not wholly trustworthy, which, but we've seen her trusting him fully. Right. And, and encouraging others to trust him fully. So that's an odd dynamic. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see more at some point, but. Yes. Any any other final things about sort of River and the Doctor and or or even just the Doctor? I know we didn't spend much time on just him, but I think we covered like most of sort of his um, interactions with the others. Let me see. I think 
I think that covered most of what I have. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, um, I guess we will move along, and uh, we'll be back next week to talk about some more uh, Doctor Who and, and along with some Angel. So. Sounds good. See you then. Mm-hmm.